0: I hope you guys had a great weekend, enjoying your family, enjoying your friends, enjoying the church family, enjoying your Sabbath day rest. It's important to enjoy life. That should be one of the differentiators between us and the rest of the world, is that we are able to enjoy the life God has blessed us with. Welcome to How to Build a Tent. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to the show, sharing the show, and all that love that you give me. I really appreciate it. I love all your messages. You can email me, Matt, at tent.com. Find me on all the social media sites, how to build a tent. Currently, currently, as I am recording this, my Twitter is, I have 666 followers. Kind of eerie, kind of creepy. It goes up, and it'll come back down. It goes down, and it goes back up, and it's just hovering <laughs> around that number. It's, it's uh, kind of eerie, I'm not going to lie. I want to say thank you. To all of the people who have subscribed to our YouTube, we finally hit that 100 number. Our YouTube link now is youtube.com/slash/how to build a tent, no longer youtube.com/slash/a bunch of mumbo jumbo. So, thank you for everyone who answered the call and went and subscribed on YouTube. I really appreciate that. We are part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Go over to fightlaughfeast.com. put in an HTBT in the memo field. You'll get a mug, you'll get a free month of membership free month. You get a free month. What a great gift you can give to someone. You can give them a membership, get a free month out of it. You'll look really good and you won't even have to pay for the first month. I mean, that's a great Christmas gift if I do say so myself. So go over to fightlaffees.com, put an HTBT in the memo field and become a member, get tons of great benefits and support us this next year, 2020. It's going to be hot. It's going to be feisty. It's going to be spicy as my co-host A.D. Robles says on Reform Judical. So get in the fight. Join us. We'd really appreciate it. The job numbers came out. And let me tell you, it makes the NFP. I'm sorry, not the NFP. The ADP numbers look more and more foolish. Last Friday, the show before, we just talked about it. We were recording before the non-farm payroll numbers came out Friday. And we were saying that that there's not a good correlation between the two numbers. The non-farm payrolls, had the job numbers coming in at sixty-seven thousand? That's how many jobs they said were added, and everyone was worried that we were weakening the economy. The media took it, took this headline, and made a point to say that maybe the economy isn't doing as well as we all thought and hoped it would be doing. We were expecting one hundred and forty thousand, and you know that's not that's less than half. That's less than half. Well, we come to the non-farm payroll. 266,000 jobs expecting 187,000 according to the government 266,000 jobs that's 200,000 difference, uh, 199,000 to be precise but how can that swing be so different, well we talked about it last week, or last Friday too, that it's not manipulated like the ADP number is And so we need to just not pay attention to it. It Really, if the swings are that big, if the discrepancies are that much, we just need to be patient and wait for this non-farm payroll number to come through. I mean, that is a huge difference for one month's worth of job numbers. The unemployment rate ticked down to 3.5% from 3.6, which means it's back to its record lows. It hasn't been that low since 1969. So that is really impressive. That is a good sign for the economy that we are, I mean, we gotta be close to full employment where there is gonna be a margin of unemployment from people switching jobs from one job to another, getting promoted, thinking that there's better opportunities out there so they quit their job and they're waiting till they find a better job. I mean, there's gonna be some healthy amount of unemployment. Who knows what that really is, but we might be pretty close. I don't know, I'm not gonna, like speculate and say that it is. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to like, you know, die on this hill, but it feels like we're getting pretty, pretty close. Also, also, household, also also, average hourly earnings rose by 3.1%. That is a really good sign. It was expected to be at 3%. So if hourly wages are growing 3% from a year ago, year over year, from last November to this November, Um, That means that not only are we getting jobs, we're getting jobs and keeping salaries that are higher. We're not taking jobs that are lower salaried. We're taking jobs with equal or more, and we're getting promotions. Companies are paying their employees more. So good sign all around. I just saw this little fun fact. This could be a good little dinner topic conversation if you're a single man you want to pick up on a nice Christian single lady? If you're a Christian guy yourself, if you're not a Christian guy, hands off those single Christian ladies. But this is a little something. He'd be, "Hey, babe. Do you know how much Christmas trees cost this year?" And they'll be like, "Oh no, tell me, sir." Well, you can say, "They cost $76 on average. That's a lot for a tree that's going to die in a few weeks. Could be a fire hazard. $76" Maybe it's been a while since I've bought a Christmas tree, honestly, but man, that is expensive for a decoration that doesn't last. I was talking with somebody who I will remain, that will remain nameless, that I will not sell out, and we were talking about how to get a home loan. Now, you may not have this issue if you don't live in a... Uh, an expensive state like California, where I'm currently visiting right now, which is why we're not on video. For those of you watching on YouTube, I apologize. We will be back to op- video as well. But you may be in a situation, if you are self-employed, if you are an entrepreneur, if you are working for yourself, and it's come to wrong, uh, come along a time where you and your wife or you by yourself decide that it's time to buy a house. Well, what happens is because you write off as much as you can it looks like you don't make as much as you actually do and that can be a problem when you go buy a house. So we're going to talk about what program that you should know about and how you should be looking for lenders specifically for that and much more so stay tuned. First we got to talk about our great sponsor. This is a sponsor that wants to help support the show be part of Our conversations that we have together Skillshare and this is for people that want to start their own business want to grow their career they give you on demand classes that you can take whenever you have time it's not like college where you spend thousands and thousands of dollars and you have to show up at the time they tell you to show up at but it is a great way for you to learn on your own time they have online learning community for that is for the creator and all of us. They have thousands of classes, graphic design, photography, creative writing, animation, film and video, marketing freelance, entrepreneurship. And tell me, let me tell you that film and video as eye awakening, those classes, I have a lot to learn. In the podcasting realm as some of you who listen to me uh and you watch me you know i'm like man your lighting is terrible you need to learn some things the classes are on demand you can learn at your own pace it's very nice because we are all busy people raising families we have priorities these classes you can learn on your own pace go over to skillshare.com htbt and join the millions of students already learning and get two months free when you go over there and you type into that url that address bar skillshare.com htbt they're going to give you two free months just to check it out that's great go over and just check it out try a video see if you like it try a class maybe you've been interested in a subject want to know what it's all about go see if they have it on there make sure you put in skillshare.com htbt and you'll get to watch it for free for two months, you can watch as many classes as you want. Get started today by heading to skillshare.com htbt to sign up skillshare.com htbt. And thank you for supporting our sponsors and listening to those ads. That really means a lot to me personally. So if you are an entrepreneur, if you are somebody who writes off a lot of expenses for tax purposes, as you should. You should write off as much as you can. If you could get to a point where you can write off as much where it looks like you have zero income like Amazon does and and GE, and I don't know, I forgot who else was doing it, but I'm sure there's tons of other companies that have lawyers that are able to get them down to zero. If you were like all of them, then you need to, and you're looking to buy a house, you need to think about this. It's called a bank statement loan program. And what they do is instead of looking at your income and taking out all your costs, that are real costs, like for a normal employee who, you know, they have a car payment, they have probably student loans nowadays. But there's a lot of write-offs that you do that don't really count, quote unquote. And so what they do is instead of looking at the bottom line after all of the expenses are taken out, they look at the deposits in your bank account for the last usually 24 months. So instead of looking at your net, that is your revenues minus all of your costs, whatever those are, They're looking at how much money you have coming in and they average based on the deposits amounts that you have in your accounts for the last 12 to 24 months, depending on the lender. So if you just Google bank statement loan program, you'll be able to see all the different lenders that offer this program. Not every lender is going to do it. And in fact, a lot of non-bank lenders are doing this. There's certain lenders that are just for lending money. They're not banks per se. Those are the people that you're probably going to be working with on this. Now, you may have to do a bigger down payment. You may have to have a higher interest rate. You may have to pay some extra points. But if what you can do is, I'm sorry, if you hear a trash can in the background, it's like driving past, a, I'm not a trash can. And the trash can would be interesting, but it's a trash truck, which by the way, my son loves the trash trucks. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so if you get this and you have to take uh, an interest rate and you have to a higher interest rate than the standard rates and if you have to do a little bigger down payment, they say you can always just refinance in a couple years into a conventional loan. You can get cash back. You can lower that interest rate and that might be a way to go. So if you have been looking for a house and you've been disappointed because all of the lenders that you've been working with, the bank that you go to said that that you don't make enough money on paper, but you know you do because of all the write-offs you're doing so you don't get taxed, Don't take away those write-offs so you can start affording a house. Just look into a bank statement loan program and get yourself that house. Don't waste your money on rent. Well, actually, (laughs) I just say that I think we should be buying a home and buying property. Um, But there are times where, depending on where you live and how long you're going to live there and all those different um, circumstances that you have, where it might make sense to rent. I don't want to discourage that. There are times. In fact, there's calculators out there when to rent and when to buy a house. I highly recommend you check those out if you live in an area like New York, San Francisco in a big city or any of those places that have high uh cost of living. I mean geez, talking to somebody in Southern California and just like an average house and like not a crazy big house I mean what was it twenty seven hundred square feet garage pool it was like a million dollars and you know you go to Florida where I live and that's like a three hundred thousand dollar house. It's absolutely bananas. Okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about today, and it's going to be a little short, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get a few of these shows on while I'm traveling and flying around this next week. Man, it's chaotic. But I was reading this article. It was really good. It was three fundamental mistakes I made when starting a business three fundamental mistakes I have made. And this is great because I know a lot of you have started a businesses. I get to, you guys email me, which I love. If you haven't, I would love to hear from you. Just, you don't have to say anything that is profound. Just tell me what you've been doing. People email me saying, hey, I started a business because I listened to you guys. Like, that's the highest, highest compliment that I could ever get, and it just makes my day. Um, So if you are thinking of starting a business or you are on your way to starting a business, these are some good tips for you. The first is the mistake that you think venture capital is evil. Now, you may have heard me say before that you should go as long as you can without raising money. If you can get away with never raising money, that is should be your goal. And I'm not backing away from that. That is what you should be doing. You should try to build a company with the lowest amount of overhead, the lowest amount of fixed cost, so that you can scale your business and your costs can scale with you, so you're not on a timetable where you have a short runway. Because if you, for whatever reason, decide that you need a brick and mortar store right off the bat, you don't have any sales, you don't, you haven't tested the product, and you r- secure a lease where you're trapped in, let's just say, a thousand dollars a month, and then you have to have electricity, and then you have to have you know, depending on gas, water, depending if it's like a restaurant or whatever. And then you have to have insurance, property insurance, and all these things start adding up. And you're gonna pay those monthly regardless if you get sales or not. Opposed to if you can maybe go to a swap meet, go to a fair, go to a farmer's market, go to just doing online where you wouldn't have those, or at least they'd be minimal cost that will allow you to grow at a, you know, a slower pace without going bankrupt and without losing tons and tons of money. It'll re- reduce your pressure so that's what you should be aiming at but there are certain companies where you must scale and let me tell you about one and it was my own I learned this the hard way actually I didn't learn that VCs are a good a good um, tool or something that we shouldn't think is evil all the time I knew that I was going after about five months of this company I was going I built the company I mean I built the web platform it was an app company And we knew we needed venture capital and we needed venture capital for this one reason alone that the competitors had millions and millions of dollars on their side and I knew I didn't know all of the far-fetching reasons of why we needed it That is that it was just gonna be impossible to do But I thought it would be a lot easier if we did have venture capital so we went to go raise and the day of the raise The day of where we started pitching to investors, we had our rollout plan. We had all of this laid out. We were ready to go. It was just the perfect timing. A big lawsuit happened in the industry that dried up all investment for every company, not just ours. And we weren't able to raise money. And eventually that company died because we did not have VC funding. VC funding is sometimes very important, but just like I've talked about before of trying to do it on your own without raising money, without growing your cost. There is a cost to VCs. There's a cost of money, and it's not just that you're giving up an equity share of your company. It's now you're on a timetable, and now you have bosses, quote unquote, that you have to answer to because these VCs are looking for you to get to that next stage as fast as you can to raise the next round so that they can get paid off, so that company valuation grows, and then those VCs are going to do it, and so and so so on and so forth. So you're gonna be entering a cycle that you need to be aware of but VCs on their own are not evil and I thought that was a really good point you just need to know when to raise money and one way to do that and you should be doing this anyways depending on no matter what business you're in is talking with people in the field with more experience than you they will have a good idea if you need to raise venture capital or not just from their sheer experience and what they've seen in the industry I would really recommend that number two focus on the product This is a startup, San Francisco tech, huge uh, flaw that they have. Now, Amazon gets it right. Amazon focuses on the customer. And I like that. I like using the tech platform as the channel to focus on the customer. But that's where you should be focusing because the customer pays you, not your product. And people get so obsessed with coding to the point of this article. He admits he was like that as a programmer. They get so attached to just um, AB testing, t- doing a bunch of different tests and perfecting the product, getting that MVP out and then just iterating and iterating. And it's all about product. It's all about, you know, this next sprint, but you have to focus on the customer. Do not, you you focus on the product and make a great product, but the product is the vehicle to service and to provide value to your customer. Never forget that. You are serving the person that pays you, not your own product. The third thing, and this is good, we've talked about it before really on in the early days, is you don't feel, don't feel like you have to quit your job right away. It's true that VCs don't want part-time founders, and if you are gonna be raising money, that should be part of your plan that you are gonna be t- doing this full-time. Because you, most of the time, to be successful in businesses, that you wanna grow and scale and go down the VC track you have to be full time. Now that's different than a side hustle. You can have side hustles and have other jobs, but that's kind of different than what you would be doing to raise money. You shouldn't really you shouldn't be raising VC funds for a side hustle. VC funding should be for the company that you are going to spend 100% of your time in. But don't feel like you have to quit your job right away. Don't feel like you need to do that before you start raising money. Start start building your your product, start building your business, test it, see if it works, build and then get some momentum and then raise your your funds and then quit your job if you need to do that, if you need to go down that track. But there are multiple tracks and not one track is right for everybody. Not one track is right for every business, for every industry. So just be wise, be talking to people, get counsel. Don't think you know it all. Don't think you don't have things to learn. Don't think that you are better off not getting an advisor, getting people's um, wisdom, getting people's advice. That is gonna be critical no matter what path you take. All right, so let's go out, be successful, we'll talk to you tomorrow, God bless.